Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good evening, 5pm. How are we tonight? Really excited to see all of you here. You've got some thumbs up at the back. That's great. Fantastic. Very cool. Why don't you grab a seat right where you are? It's um, an exciting time to be in church at the moment as we have been talking about the, the multiply and magnifying the name of Jesus. And we heard this morning, we actually had seven baptisms this morning. And we've had Sebastian tonight. We've got another one coming up later after the service. I want to encourage you. If God is speaking in your life and you want to get baptized, just I want you to encourage you to respond to that invitation tonight. Jesus is kind, he's loving, he's graceful. We've got everything you need here backstage ready for that. So let, let the Spirit speak to you tonight as we, as we, as we worship through the Word. I've been excited to see what God has been up to, and I, I know that we have heard stories of different kinds of miracles. This morning we shared stories of people who've had chronic back pain for years who are miraculously healed because they got prayer, and they spent some time praying for that. We've seen marriages restored, friendships mended. We've seen even wombs opened as part of uh, us as a church coming to, before the Lord and asking Him to speak to us as His people. It's really encouraging at this time of year to, to step into what God might have for us in the, in the year ahead. And I know we've been talking about uh, multiplying uh, the, uh, the miracles of Jesus. Tonight we're talking about how do we multiply the message of Jesus. We're gonna jump into my favorite parable of Jesus tonight. It's the parable of the sower found in Mark chapter four. So if you've got your Bible there, open up with me. We're gonna jump straight into it tonight because it's a beautiful, beautiful story that Jesus tells the people. Are you ready? Let's go. Mark chapter four. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got out into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching he says this, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell amongst thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear any grain. And still other seed fell on good soil and it came up, it grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. In, let's just pause here for a second. In this first parable of Jesus, the one he's, he's telling first to the disciples who are hearing in the book of Matthew, uh, book of Mark, sorry. We're hearing that there's already a principle of multiplication going on in the life of Jesus in the way he tells his stories. Now, it should make us prick up our ears pretty quickly, though. Now, we don't live in an agrarian society. We don't farm for our living. We don't really, no offense to any farmers in the room, but most of us wouldn't live on the, off the land. We wouldn't, be, wouldn't be farmers as our profession. Every farmer who just heard Jesus open his mouth would have gone, Jesus, you are absolutely insane. Because this parable of the sower, they would be hearing it going, why on earth would a farmer who has got his precious livelihood, this seed that he's scattering everywhere, seed that is so valuable as part of his generational legacy to help build wealth on the land, but also that literally puts food on the table for them that night. Why would this farmer take that seed and throw it up three three of the four parts, three quarters of it, in places it's not gonna grow. 
Why would this farmer put it on the road where it's not gonna grow and the birds will come take it? Why would he throw it amongst rocks where it's gonna get scorched? Why would he put it in places where thorns are? And if you've got, um, I've got cobbler's pegs at home. You know what cobbler's pegs are and they get stuck on your, oh, they're the worst thing on the planet. They're weeds, noxious weeds. Why would I throw anything I wanna grow in a bunch of weeds? The people who are hearing this going, this isn't the parable of the sower Jesus. This is the parable of the idiot farmer. And everyone's scoffing going, <laughs> like we, we know better than you, Jesus. But Jesus tells this story uh, in a way that everyone who's hearing it would have heard it and gone, something's not right here. Something's different about this story. Let's unpause because Jesus goes on to explain it a bit. Verse nine, then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you. For those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? Let's pause again, time out. When Jesus says in the first parable he's giving to the people who hear it out on the lake, if you can't understand this parable, how we understand any of them, it should make us pay attention to what this parable is all about, yeah? This parable must have some significance and some importance. It must be there to let us know that, hey, something's going on here. And Jesus even says, if you've got ears to hear it, hear it, hear it and understand it. This parable must be important. It, um, it tells us that when Jesus actually gives us an answer, that we have to be paying attention. See, across all four Gospels, Jesus asked a lot of questions, 183, in fact, 185, somewhere in there. 180-something questions is asked of Jesus, and he only gives a straight answer to about eight of them. That's, Jesus likes to ask his own questions. He answers over, asks about 330-something of his own. So that the question-to-answer ratio is pretty skewed, right? Jesus is giving one of his eight answers, and this is one of them, so we should pay attention. When Jesus gives a straight answer, lean in. Pay attention. So his explanation is this. Verse 14. The farmer sows the word. Now remember that word, word. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes the word away that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root... They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. And still others, like seeds sown amongst thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things comes in and chokes the word, making it unfruitful. And others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Jesus explains the parable. And in the middle of all of this, it finishes with this, this multiplication principle. If some seed falls on good soil, it will multiply 30, 60, 100 times what it was sown. So my question tonight is, how can we as God's people, how can we find ourselves living in a way that we multiply the message of Jesus? Well, we multiply the message of Jesus when we are open to the message of Jesus. There's no coincidence that this is a parable all about soil. See, 
the word, one moment tells you remember the word word, right? This word, uh, word, is actually the word logos. It is one of those rich theological words that if you went to a dinner party and said it out loud and said the meaning of it, people are like, ooh, well done. That's smart, you're a smart cookie. Logos is all about uh, God's, uh, think about it this. John chapter one, in the, in the beginning, it says, in the beginning was the word, the word logos. And that word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. So this word that we hear in this scripture here is the word logos, but it's the revealed will of God through all creation. It was there at the beginning. The moment God spoke and everything came into being, everything was formed, every human, every part of nature, every part of all of creation begins, it's, it's, it's part of the logos of God, the revealed will of the love and the grace and the kindness and the creativity and the purpose and the passion of God is made, is being poured out in this story we hear, being poured into, into all these places. But we find out, spoiler alert, that the logos, the word who was there in the beginning is Jesus. So Jesus is telling a story where there's this generous farmer who can only be God is sowing the logos, but he's talking about himself. That I have come, Jesus says, into the world and all of the rocky places, the pathy places and the thorny places to show you the love and the grace and the favor and the purpose of God in everything, everywhere, all at once. This Jesus, the Logos, enters the story and is being sown in places we don't expect it to. See, God, this generous farmer, is so generous with his grace. He sends Jesus into our story into our thorny bits, into the rocky parts of our life, the path we're just on, he takes us and meets us where we are with his undeserved grace, his undeserved favor. The whole point of this parable, if that's what's being sown here into the soil, the whole point of this parable is actually less about the harvest, that's more the outcome. The whole point of this parable is all about the soil. Are you, as you hear these words, good soil that God can plant something in? Or maybe are you soil that has a bit of pathy stuff in your life? Do you have rocks of past hurt or trouble or persecution? Do you have the thorny bits, the anxiety and frustration and desire for wealth? Is that the main thing in your life? Or are you open like good soil to what God might wanna plant deep within your soul? See, God wants to multiply the message of Jesus in us first. We want the message of Jesus to multiply again and again, but it happens in us. And I wanna ask this question tonight, how are you preparing the soil of your heart? How are you taking the life in which you live and going, God, I'm here, you're here, that's all we need, do something in me. We've got 21 days of prayer and fasting coming up and you would have seen some of these booklets in the foyer. You can get it online on that QR code as well. I reckon there's a chance for every single one of us to prepare before that 21 days of prayer and fasting hits. There's a whole bunch of events you'll be able to see we can engage with in that time, but what are you doing right now? When you walk out of this place tonight, what are you doing to prepare and till the soil of your heart that you might ask God to help you do some soul gardening? to rip up the path, root out the rocks and root out those, those weeds in part of your life? Are you preparing yourself to be the good soil that God might plant something in you? 
Every year in this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we see God move incredibly in us as a church. And I believe that he wants to multiply that. I really do. But it begins when he multiplies it in us. When we are open to the message of Jesus that he might change us. And it's, if we do that, we're likely to see a crop be produced more than just if we come to church on a Sunday. Sunday's great, I love Sunday. Sunday's the place where I get to come and we get to be uh, here part of baptisms and worship and what God is doing, testimonies, all that stuff. But if our, if our faith is dependent and only exists for two hours on a Sunday in this room, then maybe we're not quite getting the grasp of it. There is 30, at least 30 times more that God wants to do than that. If we are open to what God is doing in the rest of the week, preparing our hearts and doing some daily work with Jesus to let him be good, uh, help us become good soil, maybe, just maybe, we'd see the crop and fruitfulness produce 30 times more than if we just come to church on a Sunday. Do you wanna produce a crop more than what you're doing right now? Maybe 30 times more? Be open to the message of Jesus and what he is doing deep within your soul. But I don't know about you, but I wanna produce a crop that's more than 30 times because Jesus says it's possible, right? There's 1,600 to go. See, I believe that we can multiply the message of Jesus further when we share the message of Jesus. As the perfect revealed will of God, Jesus is multiplying something in us if we're open to him. But it requires us to actively participate in what he's doing around us. See, a beautiful thing about a harvest and a crop is if it produces 30 times more than what you need, that crop is actually not for you. <laughs> that 30%, that's 30 times more, is actually for those around us. A crop is there to feed those around us. When we produce fruit that lasts, produce fruit that does something in our life, it tastes great for us, but when we share it with others, that's when it comes alive. When we begin to share our life and faith with those around us, it requires us to step out and see what God is doing around us, to see those we live, work, and laugh with, that they might just be able to be recipients of the bountiful crop God is growing in us. Matthew chapter nine. At the start of this chapter, Jesus is throwing a party for a whole bunch of sinners and tax collectors. And it's a cool thing because he's sitting there in, all the, with, in the wrong place with all the wrong people, and the right people, the holy people, come up and say, hey, Jesus, you're not supposed to hang out with these guys. Don't you know they're unclean? What's Jesus' response? He says, I didn't come to heal, the, to heal the healthy, I come to heal the sick. This chapter we're about to read in a second begins with Jesus at a party. We call it a Matthew party. If you've got a better name than a Matthew party, let me know, because it's not super cool. But he's at a party with people who don't yet know the good news of God, who have, who have even betrayed Israel, the people who are all the wrong people. Jesus sits with them. I wonder, how often do we sit with people outside of these church walls. It's a challenge for me. I, I, I don't know about you, it's a challenge for me. I find myself doing things with people from church all the time. And it's great, we're growing, we're, we're doing something great. But I've been really challenged by this chapter again and again and again. How often am I sitting with my unchurched friends? The boys from Ipswich, who I used to hang out with a lot, who I need to spend more time with and do a Matthew party with them have dinner, chat about life, ask them if they wanna read the Bible with me, do that, all that kind of stuff. Jesus is doing that at the beginning of this chapter and the end of the chapter, he says these words. Well, he says this first, it says this first. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of Jesus and the kingdom of God and healing every disease and sickness. 
When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. See, we can grow a crop if we are open to what God's doing 30 times what we think. But it's when we share it, when we share it with those in our life, when we see those around us we do life with and have compassion on them, God does something in us. God uses us to help them see the good news of Jesus. There's 60 times more than that waiting out there if we share our faith. And you've heard me say this before. You're not really a disciple unless you're discipling someone else. It sounds harsh. But when you look at the life of Jesus, when you look at the, the pattern of his ways, his works, and his words, as he goes about life, he shows us that your faith, our faith, any faith in Jesus is incomplete unless we are sharing our faith with someone else who doesn't yet know him. It's the pattern. It's the growth from zero to 30 to 60 times. As we're sharing that good news with, with those around us, with those we love, with those who we desperately want to know Jesus, the potential of the harvest becomes almost limitless. That God would choose us to use us to speak into the lives of those around us, that they might be able to come and join us sitting in this, these pews one Sunday, or even better, we partner with him out there and host a whole bunch more Matthew parties with people who don't yet know Jesus. That sounds like a pretty fun life to me. Parties everywhere with all the wrong kinds of people being good news for them. I wanna introduce you tonight to two people who belong to our church family here, Grace and Rachel. Can you welcome them as they come up tonight? Give them a big gateway welcome. You'll hear some of their story tonight, but Grace and Rachel uh, have got a bit of a journey they've been on with, with God and with each other. And I probably just, it, it highlights for me what one person who's faithful to the call to share the good news with their friend does. So Grace, I wanna say hi to you tonight. How are you doing? Good, you how not, are you? Not too nervous, you're doing right? Yeah. Good. Uh, I know that you have had a passion in your heart to share the good news of Jesus with friends. And Rachel's been the recipient of that hit tonight. Thanks for coming, Rachel, too. What was the motivation in your heart to share the good news of Jesus? Yeah, sure. So Rachel and I became super close through uni, and um, my faith was something that I found quite easy to share with Rachel. Um, so I invited her along to church and um, was then kind of looking for the next step to journey um, faith with Rachel. Mm. Um, and my mum is on the Alpha team, yeah. so I um, knew about Alpha and knew that Alpha was something that I wanted to um, invite Rachel along to. Um, they were talking about it one night at church, so I, so I thought now is as good a time as any to ask if Rachel wanted to come along. Um, so we both signed up by the end of the night, and I said I'd do it with her. Um, and it was such a privilege to be able to journey through Alpha with Rachel. Um, and um, at Alpha, just having people on the table who are willing to invest in people's faith journey um, and facilitate questions and conversations that just takes a bit of pressure off yourself, and it allows for... Um, discussions to happen that might be a little bit more difficult one-on-one -on -one to happen in a safe space where people can ask questions um, in like all different uh, journeys um, towards kind of discovering God. Um, and yeah, so my faith is such a special part of my life and I so badly wanted like Rachel to experience awesome. that as well and the joy of walking day to day with Jesus and Alpha really um, helped facilitate 
and um, dive deeper into that. Yeah. That's awesome. It's a great plug for Alpha, by the way. I didn't really ask Grace <laughs> to talk about that tonight, but I know that Alpha's been a big part of your story. And sure. it was term two last year, was it, when you guys came through Alpha? Year before. Year before, okay, yeah, great. Yeah. And you, so you've been on this journey for a while now, Rachel, and I, I probably, what I love about what Grace has shared is that she has this deep desire that you might know the faith that she's got. What have you discovered coming to faith in Jesus? Yeah, so it definitely started with Grace and seeing her faith um, and I saw how an integral part of it was of her life. And that just really inspired me. So then I came along to a few church services and then yeah, Alpha was brought up and it sounded like something interesting and something different to really like also consolidate that foundational knowledge, which I had a little bit from, from school, but very different again. Um, yeah, and then going to those sessions and yeah, definitely being on Danielle's table. Um, <laughs> it was really good to have a safe space just to ask the questions where you sometimes feel like you might not want to ask another Christian just because you don't know what their response will be kind of thing. And yeah, you ask those questions that you're just trying to discover more about your faith. Um, and yeah, I have grown so much from those Alpha sessions and it really just opened up my eyes to how Jesus can work in your life. and. Jesus brought me grace and then has now brought me a beautiful bunch of friends here as well in such a great church community. So, so good. Loving life That's and loving great, Jesus. Right. <laughs> so good. I know for both of you, it's uh, watching the journey unfold has been really cool to see. And I know you were chatting to Laurie at, at Life Group on, uh, at students on Wednesday just about how much not only Alpha's played a part of that, but God at work as part of his church has been part of that. We all have the opportunity to share faith. like. Grace shared with you, what would you say to someone, as the recipient of someone who's been, been shown Jesus by a friend, what would you say to those of us in the room here tonight about encouraging us to do the same? Yeah, 100% do it. And also, if you've got a friend to go with, that definitely does help make things easier. Just having a familiar face with it, because I get it can totally be scary going on your own mm. and being with people that you've never seen or met before. Um, but yeah, it was just an awesome experience and also having that table that you have every week and you just chat about what you've done in your day that day and then you all sit around and you watch your video and then you discuss that video and it's just, it, it's really interesting to hear a lot of different perspectives awesome. um, on Jesus and how everyone has been touched in their lives as well. So 100% go for it. That's great. And Grace, what would you say to those of us here tonight who maybe feel like we're nervous to share our faith with someone, we're not sure how they're going to respond? What, what would you say to encourage us about that tonight? I think for me personally, I have been shocked every time I've shared my faith and someone has been so willing to kind of hear what I've got to say. So I think we would be surprised at how many people who are actually curious to get to know God and who are searching for something or just wanting to know a little bit more. Um, and if we actually asked, would say yes. And I think um, being there for them and reassuring them that you're doing the journey alongside them as well just kind of gives them something to fall back on and like they know they've got someone in their corner. That's so, so. good. Yeah. That's amazing. I, mean, I want to thank you so much for coming up to share tonight. Can we give these guys a massive round of applause? Thanks for sharing tonight, guys. Really appreciate you. I hope you've heard in both Grace and Rachel's story that there is a burning desire in each and every one of us to share the good news. We just gotta maybe be awakened to it. Maybe it's choked by the weeds of fear. Maybe we feel like we've got this faith, but it's kind of hidden by the fear or the anxiety of maybe I don't know what it takes to share it. And uh, you've heard a great plug for Alpha tonight, and it's a joy of mine to have Danielle, Grace's mum on my team there, and we have seen God do incredible things through Alpha in the last few years. But 
and there's, we, we run alpha every term here at Gateway. So you get, there's another chance to do it. I've loved seeing a swath of young adults come through every term, just sit around a table uh, with some great, great hosts to, 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 to chat it out. But I wanna say alpha started this term and you missed out. Oh, except that you haven't because you've been hearing us talk about alpha in the wild the last few weeks. Um, I just had this burning passion in me that if, if, like church on Sunday is only two hours, Alpha's only two hours on a Tuesday night. If it's trapped on a Tuesday night, there is a whole bunch of people who can't come to Alpha on a Tuesday night, which makes me sad, which is why like, we wanna empower people like Grace to take Alpha as a tool or a really good, good thing in your hand to give and share with others around you. On Tuesday night, this Tuesday, we have an Alpha in the Wild training night and we're gonna give you everything you possibly need to share your faith with those around you. You're gonna access to all the alpha material. You're gonna get some training about how to actually run it and host it in a way. You'll get to experience a bit of what an alpha community looks like on the night. I'll share a bit about how to share your testimony in 10 seconds so that you never feel you have to have this massive thing. It's, it's simply the start of a conversation for 10 seconds for as long as I've been talking since I mentioned it. That's how long it takes to share your faith with somebody. A 10-second testimony, begin to open up your life to those around you. I wanna encourage you, if you've been wanting to either do Alpha or find a way to engage with the story of God in your friends' and family's life, gathering as a small group, as a family around a dining table, friends in cafes, whatever it looks like for you, I wanna encourage you, jump on that QR code and don't miss the training night on Tuesday. We're gonna spend some time together, it's gonna be a lot of fun, um, but it's also gonna be really powerful for us to have, be equipped to go and do exactly what Grace is sharing about tonight, to go into the world and share our faith with those around us. Sign up that QR code. It's gonna be a really exciting time on Tuesday night. Don't miss out. We'll run them again later, but I just don't want you to miss out this time because I think God's up to something in the life of us as a church right here, right now. If we share the good news of Jesus with our friends and our family and those around us. Maybe a crop will multiply from 30 to 60 times more what we think was possible to be sown. What does the 100 look like? Well, just like the soil in the parable of the sower, there is more to go. See, Jesus wants to multiply his message in those we live, work, and laugh with, but he wants us to do it in a way in which we live it out loud. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 gives us a picture of how Jesus is victorious in the end. It gives us a picture, it says this. They triumphed over him, this is the enemy, this is the, the, the enemy. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. What a powerful picture from the end, a picture of the end of time. When Jesus comes back to set everything right, how is he finally victorious? through his sacrifice on the cross and all that he's done for us through his blood shed on that cross and our testimony. When we share our life and what God has done in our life and put them together, put your hands together, what God might do in that space when we choose to live for him. See, it requires us to share that faith out and about. And we might have, just like the parable of the sower, we might just feel like it's just, we get distracted. We're on a path, it's just the way things are. Maybe we've been really hurt, even by the church or those around us, and we feel like we've got boulders of pain where our faith is shallow and scorchy and hurt and burny and hurty. Maybe we feel like we are anxious about what 
sharing our faith might look like. We're like thorns being trapped in that space. God wants us to look under the path, around the rocks and through the thorns to what he's doing in us already. He gives us courage, imagination, faithfulness, everything we possibly need to share that faith with others. But it's not just sharing our faith that Revelation tells us. We've got the blood of the lamb, the power of our testimony, and these words about they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Wow. What kind of life are you living? What kind of a life am I living? What kind of Christian do you wanna be? A disciple who's satisfied with the way things are or a disciple who risks the way of Jesus, who not just shares the good news of Jesus with those around you, but lives it, empowered by the Holy Spirit in every second of every day to see people with compassion and see them for all they are and move toward them with love. See, we multiply the message of Jesus best when we live the message of Jesus. When we live it out loud, when we live it without fear, when we live it with an abundant generosity, not just for those we know, but for those we don't yet know, for friends and strangers alike. When we live it with courage and faith, believing that maybe, just maybe, the faith that we hold inside can be shared with those we don't even think will come to know Jesus. We had a baptism this morning, an 80-something-year-old guy whose whole family are Christians except for him, who've been praying for him for 30, 40 plus years to come to know Jesus. And he stood in that baptistry this morning as a guy who was path rock and thorny heart, who the family were almost given up hope that they would never see him get baptized. And he stood in that baptistry and he sung the words to amazing grace. Jump online tomorrow, watch it back. It will bring tears to your eyes. He's choosing now to live his life. He's sharing it with those around him, but he's choosing to live his life out loud for Jesus. So much so that he was willing to sing it in front of thousands of people online and here right across the globe. He was a guy who the family thought he may never come to Jesus, but through persistent prayer and living their life with him to see his life begin to unfurl and discover the more of Jesus. He was sitting in his pew for 30 something years every week taking it in but going, I don't believe this, but had finally come to that decision because his family lived it with every fiber of their being. They prayed it into being. They lived it every time they could. They shared it whenever they could. When we share and then live the message of Jesus, a crop can grow from 30 to 60 to 100 times. Do you believe it? Do you wanna live your life out loud so that everyone you come into contact with knows the good news of Jesus. I know I've told this story before, I hope you'll forgive me for sharing it again, but Tony Campolo, who's one of my favorite preachers, uh, tells this story where he was uh, overseas, he was actually in Hawaii at a preaching teaching conference, he was the guest speaker. And he's flown over to Hawaii, but jet lags really hit him hard. So it's three o'clock in the morning, and he's sitting there in his bedroom, uh, hotel room just like I'm wide awake and my stomach is growling. So he decides to wander the streets of Honolulu looking for some food, but the only place he can find is this greasy, dingy, hole-in-the-wall diner that looks like it hasn't been cleaned in 40 years. And he goes through, ding, 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 the door goes as he walks through the door and this grumpy old man comes out and goes, what do you want? And he's like, looks like he hasn't showered in about 40 years as well, got grease and stuff all over his apron, it's pretty gross. Tony sits down at the diner and goes, I'll just have a coffee, a black coffee and that donut under the case there, which looks a bit questionable. He starts eating and then he hears the ding, ding, ding of the door behind him and suddenly as he's sitting there eating his donut and drinking his coffee, about eight or nine scantily clad, provocatively dressed prostitutes walk in behind him. 
They plonk themselves down at the dime and they begin to eat uh, and share stories and, uh, about their night's work. They've come in after the end of the night. So Tony's sitting there quickly munching his questionable donut, drinking his slightly bad coffee, trying to get out of there as quick as he can because he feels like he's very much out of place in this place. The lady that sits next to him just says casually to her friend who's come in next to her, says, yeah, tomorrow's my birthday, I'm gonna be 39. To which her friend nastily replies, what do you want from me? Do you want me to throw you a birthday party, make you a birthday cake, sing happy birthday for you? No one's ever done that for me and I'm not gonna start doing it for you now. And this lady gets crestfallen, like she's like, it's just my birthday tomorrow, I was just sharing what's going on for me. Don't worry about it, I've never had a party anyway, don't worry about it. And they kind of finish off their conversation and Tony makes the decision in that moment, he starts to eat his donut a little slowly, he sips his coffee a little bit slower still. And once they've all left and they, the ding, ding, ding of the door goes and out they go, it's just Tony sitting on this chair with Harry, the cranky guy behind the counter. And he says, hey, excuse me, do those ladies come in here every night? Yeah. So that lady sitting next to me, this lady who just said it's her birthday, she comes in here every night. Yeah, that's Agnes. What, do you, what, what does it matter to you? Tony gets this twinkle in his eye and says, what, do you feel, what, what would it look like if we threw Agnes a birthday party tomorrow? And this cranky guy uncrosses his arms and goes, yeah, his smile gets on his face, yeah, we could throw her a whole big birthday bash. He shouts back behind the counter, Marge, we're gonna make a birthday cake for Agnes. And Marge, who we didn't even know existed at this stage, comes out from behind the counter and is delighted. She wants to, she, she loves Agnes. Agnes is in there every night. They're gonna make this beautiful cake and they conspire about having balloons and crepe paper and all that kind of stuff. So Tony goes, great, 2.30 tomorrow in the morning, I'll meet you back here and we'll have a birthday party for Agnes. Tony goes back to his hotel room, gets a few hours sleep, speaks all day at this, this conference that he's speaking at, but somehow finds some time to make a crepe paper banner that says, happy birthday, Agnes. He puts it under his arm, walks the streets of Honolulu at 2.30 in the morning, he walks in there, ding, 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 the door goes, and suddenly he's faced with this beautiful scene. This grungy diner is now clean. It looks like it's been clean for the first time in 40 years. Harry's there, he's cleaned up, he's brushed, he's combed his greasy hair, and he's got this massive big cake that says, happy birthday, Agnes, but not only that, have they decked the place out, he's gotten word out to every prostitute he knows in Honolulu. Half the prostitutes in Honolulu are there in this diner, packed like shoulder to shoulder. Like Tony tells it, he says, there's wall-to-wall hookers in there. That's what, it's, that's what it's like. He tells this story in a way so beautiful because he gets them all to hide and kind of crouch down and get ready. And at three o'clock on the dot, ding, 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 the door goes and in walks Agnes and her friend. And Tony's got everyone ready and they shout, happy birthday, Agnes! This beautiful chorus of prostitutes shouting out happy birthday to their friend. And then she's just absolutely flabbergasted. She's got no idea what's going on. Her eyes are wide as saucers. And she's like, oh, what's going on? Then, then out comes Harry with this big, beautiful cake and plops it down in front of her and goes, you gotta blow out the candles and cut the cake. She blows out the candles and she stands there with a the knife but she starts to weep and cry. It's like she's totally overcome with emotion. And Harry, who's got no idea what to do with a crying prostitute, just says, cut the cake, Agnes. We wanna eat the cake. She stands there and just goes, would it be okay if I just didn't cut the cake just yet? I'd love to take it home and show my kids who've never had a birthday cake themselves. Harry goes, sure, that's fine. You can take it right now if you want to. And Agnes's eyes light up. She goes, really, I can take it home? She picks up the cake, walks out the door with a, like, holding it like the holy grail. Ding, 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 out she goes, and suddenly she's down the street and the guest of honor's gone. 
Prostitutes are all looking at each other confused. Harry and Tony are eyeing each other going, what just happened here? And in that moment, Tony chooses to go, I think we should pray for Agnes. So there in that greasy hole in the wall diner in Honolulu, with half the prostitutes in town, a greasy guy behind the counter, his wife and a preacher man. Tony prays. He prays for her health, her kids, her well-being. He prays that she would find Jesus, that she would be saved and know his wholeness and goodness all her days of her life. And when he says amen and finishes up his prayer, Harry's suddenly looking cranky again. He's got his arms crossed. He says, you didn't tell me you were a preacher, man. What kind of church do you belong to anyway? And in a moment when just the right words come, Tony says, I belong to a church that throws birthday parties with prostitutes at 3 a.m. in the morning. Harry has his arms crossed and goes, nah, you don't. That church doesn't exist. Because if it did, I would be there. Yeah, I'd be at a church like that. I don't know about you, but I want to belong to a church that throws birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. in the morning. And if I want to belong to that kind of church, it means that I have to be the kind of Christian, I have to be the kind of follower of Jesus who chooses to live my life in a way that I will throw birthday parties for prostitutes at 3 a.m. The church we want to see is the church we have to be. There was no church in that diner, in that greasy hole in the wall diner. There was just one disciple and follower of Jesus who decided that he was gonna throw a birthday party and bless the socks off her. What kind of Christian do you wanna be? How do you wanna live your life? How do you wanna live your life out loud that everyone around you will see the love and grace of Jesus in everything you do? See, I wanna be, belong to a church that is generous and kind, which means I have to be a believer who is generous and kind because I'm the church. I wanna belong to a church that takes gender equality seriously which means that I have to be a Christian and a disciple who takes gender equality seriously. If I wanna belong to a church that speaks on behalf of the poor, the destitute, the lonely, we speak and and, and speak prophetically to powerful people about things like policies that, that disadvantage the poor, the helpless, the hurting, the lost, then I have to be the kind of Christian who speaks like that day to day because I'm the church. What kind of church do you wanna belong to, friends? The question is, what kind of Christian do you wanna be? How do you wanna live your faith out loud? See, I wanna be the kind of Christian that opens up my life to everyone, everywhere, all at once without reservation. I wanna be the kind of Christian who chooses every day, despite the challenges we find ourselves or the paths or the rocks or the thorns that might invade our life, to live and breathe and be a follower of Jesus, to take a stand and declare, that Jesus is my Lord and Saviour and I choose to follow Him, just like we've heard in the baptistry today. How do we do it? See, Jesus multiplies His message up to a hundred times when we choose to live for Him every hour, every day. And I believe there are people here tonight who need to be in that baptistry tonight. We've prepared everything. There's towels, there's, Lauren's done some underwear shopping today, like this weekend. So there's unspare underwear out. There's everything you need. And maybe you're finding yourself, I've been wanting to get baptized for a while and you're finding yourself full of excuses 
And those excuses might be legitimate. Maybe you're feeling fearful that you, that you don't have the words to say. You don't have to say much. All you have to say is thank you, Jesus. Everything's prepared there for you. Maybe you felt like it has to be the exact right conditions. Your faith has to be at peak, peak maximum. Like that's the day I'll get baptized. That's not the story of Jesus. He takes us right where we are despite our failures and faults. I want to encourage you tonight. Timothy's already grabbed a towel. He's going to get baptized in a minute. If tonight is your night to come in this pool to do what Sebastian's done, to say, Jesus, I'm all in. I want to live my life out loud for you. I want to take a stand tonight and live my life in such a way that people would know Jesus in me through the way I live. Come and grab a towel. But if you're here tonight and you have been baptised, there's also some deep work God wants to do in us. It's a chance for us to come before God and say, hey God, I know I've got stuff in my life that needs, you need to do some soul gardening in me. Help me be open, good soil that you can plant something beautiful and that grows and multiplies. Or maybe tonight you feel like you've got someone on your heart who you've been praying for, for what feels like an eternity. Maybe not as long as Alan who got baptised here this morning. Maybe you've got someone in your life you want to pray for. I want to encourage you tonight, do some deep work as we sing this song. We're about to sing a song that talks about making room for what God wants to do in our life. And as we sing it, as we hear it, I want you just to, to, to respond in whatever way you need to. But if you, that is to come and grab a towel, to do some work with God. You can come down the front and ask God, ask for some prayer with those around you. They'll have some pastoral team. But if you see someone coming down the front who needs prayer, come with them and pray with them. Or maybe you want to turn to a friend and say, I'm praying for Joe. or praying for Leanne. I'm praying for Kyle. Would you pray with me? Give me courage. Don't let this moment pass you by. Let the Spirit be at work in you tonight. I want to invite you just to stand right where you are if you're able. Susan's going to be here at the baptismal towel bucket thing. We've got towels for you. If there are people who should be here for your baptism and you think, I can't do it tonight, I've got people I need to be here, come grab a towel, write your name on a thing and book it in next week. Every Sunday is a good baptism for a Sunday. We're Baptists, is what we do. Come along and get baptised. But tonight in this place right now, I want to invite you just to close your eyes and put your hands out in front of you if you want to receive tonight. And you just pray a simple prayer. Just come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us about our baptism. Speak to us about what you want to do in our life and speak to us about who is the one person, the one person we can share our faith with. Come, Holy Spirit. Make room in our life that there would be less stuff in the way to get us off the path, pull out the rocks of hurt, and move the, the weeds of fear, that we would be open to be good soil for what you want to do in us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Come grab a towel. Come for prayer if you need it. But let's sing tonight.
hope you've been blessed by this message. If you've made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to encourage you on your journey. Help us help you by going to gatewaybaptist.com.au and clicking on Get Connected.